When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey now, welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Fasser, a.k.a. Coach Fass. Thank you so much for joining me today. Dante Barti is back, and we are kicking off the in-season Q&A portion of this podcast, which runs from August to November and into December. The topics this week include the appropriate time to sell out to a tendency or for a tendency, defending boot pass, what to do if the opponent is bigger and stronger, defending wide plays to tight bunches out of 10 personnel, what coverages we do not like versus certain formations, kind of open-ended question when you get into an interesting discussion there, and his boss submits a question about defending empty 12 personnel, tight end wing, QB counter, RPO. We also talk about the game of the century. That's right. Pod legends Dante Barty and Kyle Kogan are facing off Monday, August 29th, 2022. Well, kind of facing off. The schools that they are at, the NAIA programs, Benedictine College and Ottawa University, are squaring off on Monday. The JV squads that both coaches kind of work with, kind of don't. I'm not really sure how that works, but they're playing on Monday. So we talk about that, and we're actually going to live stream that, which is a great segue into the newest project going on i will be live streaming and hosting games on playback which is an awesome new tool that was launched in may basically it's manning cast slash coaches room you can join me for a watch party just go to coachvastfootball.com slash playback follow me on twitter for my schedule and it's really easy to sign up all you do is you go to that link you input your email create a username authenticate your cable provider or streaming service. Three easy steps. It takes less than two minutes. I promise you it's super simple. It's just like signing into anything on the computer. And if you want to try the app that's in test flight for iOS users, you can go to testflight.apple.com slash join slash I four G V V K four a again, that's I four G V V K four a. The app is now in test mode, and it will be released hopefully in about a month, so you can watch us on your mobile devices. For now, just log in your computer. Go to coachvastfootball.com slash playback. The link is also on my link tree, linktree.com slash coachvast. You're going to watch with the community of coaches, fans. You can engage with me. There's chat functionality, and you'll have the ability to ask questions and converse. I can bring you up on stage, so if you have a point or you want to ask some questions or you want to debate or tell me I'm wrong, you're more than welcome to do that. If you're listening on any time Saturday, August 27th, we will be watching Charlotte at FAU at 7 p.m. East and then Vandy at Hawaii at 1030 East on the CBS Sports Network. You do need access to the CBS Sports Network to join. 
Then Monday, we're going to be live streaming the Benedictine Ottawa game. It's a little bit of a soft launch. Wanted to try it out. And then next weekend, we're going to be watching Ohio State versus Notre Dame at night. But before that, we're going to check out Georgia at Oregon. Actually, I don't know who the home team is. Not sure there. But Brian Niedermeyer, defensive coordinator at IMG and former Alabama, Miami, Tennessee, and Georgia assistant will be joining me. And we're going to break the games down. We're going to make fun of the commercials and talk spicy. But the point is, we're going to be breaking down the games, having a good time, hopefully learning. And I will send out in the chat an accompanying Zoom link so you can follow along in case we decide to draw anything. You'll be able to just to jump in. There will be telestrations added to the app, but right now they're not there. So I'm going to send out a Zoom link, host a Zoom there so you can follow along. If you have a question, hey, what was that? What formation was that? How would you defend that? I can just draw real quick. On You can split screen it. It'll be a pretty cool experience. And then from there on out, I plan on doing every Sunday night NFL game, the Monday night NFL game, and then I'll pick a college football game or two and then disperse throughout. Like I already know I'm probably going to want to do the first TCU game next Friday. There'll be random stuff that comes up through the year. So just follow me on Twitter at Coach Vass. I'll post my schedules and all sorts of things. But I'm really excited about this. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a very cool piece of technology. We've talked about this for years, having the ability just to be able to sit around and watch games together. And this is the closest thing that we can come to it. And the cool part is this is the beginning of the technological push. So as time goes on, there will be new things added, such as I mentioned, the telestration, playback, and other features to follow. So again, that's coachvastfootball.com slash playback. Sign up beforehand so you can just join when it's time. And let's have some fun. All my other links, like I mentioned, linktree.com slash coachvass. If during the season you need anything, I do do consulting. I will be doing less than the previous two years during the season because I've been hired as a satellite consultant by a few teams here and there. So my availability is limited, but just reach out to me on Twitter or fill out the form on my website, coachvass.com. There's a form there where you can request consulting for whatever you need if you have an opponent or you want me to take a look at your defense or anything that you need just hit me up and i will be there all right let's get to the show let's get into it man my guest today is again, I don't know if we've ever had a back-to-back. Well, we did with Brian Vaughn, but it was a two-parter. This is not a two-parter. Coach Barty is back. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Oh, you're so, you're so, you're so polite. I love it. All right, yeah. let's jump right in. We got some really good questions. This is the first Q&A uh, episode that we're doing of the season if you have any questions that you want us to answer, we record on Thursday nights and release on Saturdays. So if you get your question in before know, Thursday around early dinner time, can help you out. Just go to coachfastfootball.com slash QA. And here's the first question from my old friend, Michael Martin, defensive coordinator at Stillicum High School in Lakewood, Washington. His question is, and this is a, there's some real good ones. I like this one along. How strong of a tendency do you need to see to be willing to sell all out for it and possibly be unsound? For example, a team that when lined up in the pistol runs outside zone at the Y off 90% of the time. And he says the sample size is of four games and about 40 snaps. Yeah. So um, as usual, I think it's, it's kind of a more complicated question than meets the eye. 
the the simplest answer on face for me is about ninety percent uh, in terms of in relation to the sample size, right? So four game sample size, I'd say about ninety percent of the time uh, you could sell out and be quote unquote unsigned if if that sample size is in relation to a large part of what an offense is doing. Example, right? If a team is in the pistol 70% of the time and they're running to that specific location 90% of the time, I can bet my my dollar that they're probably going to do that, right? However, if they jump the back, meaning they go from the pistol and then they go offset, or they go from offset to pistol, right? They're consistent in doing those type of things. If they're in doing that in 11 personnel but not in 12, well, I got to think about my sample size and when I decide that 90% is relevant, right? So is it only, is it 11 personnel, you know, why on the ball, pistol, they're running the ball there? Yeah, if I can, as a coordinator, coordinate that with my defense, I can be quote-unquote unsound. For example, I may run a roll-to-track pressure, some people call it shake, into that look in that regard, right? Because I know that's where they're running the ball. Uh, however, if they play 11 and 12 and 10, right, and they're all, you know, they're doing it in multiple groupings and they're jumping the back around, well, you're either going to have multiple calls within those groupings or you better have a, a check with me system that allows you to get into that check against multiple groupings and against multiple scenarios. So I think that becomes the question for you philosophically on your defense. But I, for me, to be unsound, probably about 90%. That's a great answer. I think it depends in relation to other stuff that they do where they also have huge tendencies. So if this is the only tendency they have that's like 90% and it's in a vacuum, then I'd be a little nervous. But let's say they have another formation and they have a really high tendency and this is a pattern that they do. It could be something completely different, but yeah. they, I don't know. Um, they go bunch and they run toss you know, 85% of the time, and then they're in split backs and they pass, you know, or they run stretch yeah. lead, then there's something where you might say, okay, but I also think it depends on what your adjustment is. Yeah. We would do stuff because we were an even front team and slanted a lot. We would do stuff where we would just basically, I was joking with Dante before the pod, if you ever played Madden, you used to be able to hit like L1 and then flick the left or right stick one way or the other, and you could just slant everybody. Um, Stuff like that where you're slanting everybody or it's a simple adjustment like, okay, we're, we're playing. Uh, we saw this versus a team. Here, here's a good example. We saw a team that when they were gun weak, three by one, four receivers open, they were pass. But when they were gun strong, three by one, they were like 80%. It's actually a very similar uh, scenario. They were 80% stretch weak. And yep. so what we did was, is we got into a sky concept and we would bring the safety down. Yep. That's not something, especially when you're a split field team. I think it also depends on your scheme. If you're a split field coverage team, and I don't mean split safety, but I mean split field coverage where you're independent, really easy to do. If you have mechanisms in place to flip pressures and things and do stuff, but I think it depends on your scheme as well. And, and what are you, when you say sell out, what does that mean? Are we blitzing? Are we are we checking with zero pressure or are we slanting everybody? You know, I think that's what you have to weigh. But 
I would lower that number if they're a team that, you know, if it hits at 75. So we saw a team, one that comes to mind, Wyoff back week, uh, 75% run, but it was all different runs. But then Wyoff, and it says two by two, Wyoff back strong to the Y, 75% pass. We checked the cloud to that side because we wanted to get somebody at a really good running back. So, you know, I think it can, it, it, it's also, you know, what happens if the Y is on, what, what are they doing? If it's 75%, 60%, 70 or 65%, they're doing something completely different. I think you got to compare that. So I know that's kind yep. of a, it's, it's a really hard question to answer. Yes, no, uh, or uh, a hard yeah, number. And but. I think, you know, the last thing I would say too, is very similar to what you said. What are your adjustments? For example, scheme adjustments that are back-oriented are much more drastic than front-oriented adjustments. Uh, an example I would give, we played a team in a semifinal game uh, years ago when I played Coach High School ball in Arizona, and they were a wing T team. And every single time, it was a X over formation. Didn't matter if it was double wing X over. Didn't matter if it was your, tr your traditional uh, wing T set X over. It was always some form of run, either buck sweep, jet sweep, quick toss, right, uh, to that side of the formation. And they would get in shifts and stuff like that to try to disguise it, but that's what they were doing. So, for example, what we did is we full line moved because we knew it was an easy adjustment called it Ralph Larry, right? And so we crossed the center line and two-faced, essentially, uh, to over-rotate the defense without moving the secondary at all. So the secondary never had to change, right? So it was, a, it was a line call made up front. That's literally what we did, like you said, slant everybody to the left, right? In contrast, when you start making coverage adjustments or alignment variables, it can be more challenging. So there are different ways in which you can make adjustments that don't have to be, I changed my entire call or I have one entire automatic check to that formation variable. It can be things like, defensive line movements. It can be things like uh, a principle I use all the time is talk about double rotation, right? Well, double rotation is talking about the B-gap bubble and its relationship to your down safety and single high spacing. Well, I will double rotate if I know the ball is going to end up in that location. Uh, for example, if I know every time the Y is off, they're running a, the Y back across the ball, I may put the three technique away from the Y every time and rotate the defense away from the Y, the safeties. Something I wouldn't normally do because I don't normally want the, lot, the safety to have to potentially fit the A gap. But every time the Y is off, the Y is going back. I know at the end of the down that it's a tilted formation set. The Y and the, and the T are together. So things of that nature, to me, aren't unsound, right? But they're tendencies that break your normal philosophy that you can do based upon what you're seeing an offense do. Uh, last point on this, I think it also depends on how much you you do this in your defense. If you never check formations and you, let's say you're a team that likes to run a lot of different calls and you're not playing plays, like I, I, I would kind of stay away from this unless you have like a one-word system where you can easily change the entire defense. We didn't have yeah. that, and that was one yeah. of the weaknesses of the system that we ran. We used a lot of words, which was it was hard when we saw, like you mentioned, X over our kids now had to learn one word name checks, which is not something they were comfortable with. Yeah. So, you know, Dante in Dante's world, adjusting the coverage is more intensive, but in my world, 
that's what we did every play. So like it was, you know, we were like, oh, this is just we're just doing it differently. So I think it also yeah. depends on your system as well. But yes, good stuff there. Let's move on to coach Dan Myers, defensive coordinator at Cannon Falls High School in Cannon Falls, Minnesota. Okay. Dante, take this one first. What are the key coaching points for defending against boot pass? All right. So the first thing is, in my opinion, what type of eye control you're using for your uh, second and third level defenders. Example, right? Let's say I'm an indicator fit football team, meaning I'm a two back fit team, meaning my eyes start on the second back in the back. So it doesn't matter if it's a yo, a y off, right? It doesn't matter if it's a full back. It doesn't matter. Each. Well, if I'm that type of football team, then it's all about when the indicator goes back, us falling back and sitting off that indicator, right? We're a fall fit team. If, on the other hand, you're a single gap space, single gap fit run uh, support team, right? Then either one of two things have to happen. You either need to have overhangs in the defense who are boxing the ball back and can leverage that boot pass, right? They have to be able to leverage those flat routes, those guys on the slider boot in the perimeter. Or two, right, you have to have some form of secondary play coming from the top level, the roof, right, whether you're locking it, whether you're keying it, to handle that why coming back across, right? The other question you always have to ask yourself is, depending on how they're running the boot pass, how many levels are they really creating? Are they creating two or three levels? The bottom line when it comes to most play-action passes, boot pass, um, uh, sprint rollout pass, flood, is when the offense makes three levels. So, for example, they're running flat, drag, post right they're running over post dig it doesn't matter when the offense makes three levels you have to make three levels so you've heard terms sometimes maybe called robot or roll and run some people say panic drop right your underneath defenders have to become second and third level players particularly when it doesn't matter if you're playing post safety defense doesn't matter if you're playing split safety defense right and so depending on the type of defense you play your boot rules always have to have people who can leverage those outbreaking routes and then a way to make three levels of defense the in principle that is what you have to do right if you're making two levels of defense that means you have to play some form of leverage inside and on top of all of the third levels in the uh, all the third concepts in the defense an example tcu robber right or Virginia Tech to robber, right? Traditional robber defense, invert halves, right? Great for the drag, the intermediate route. Really good for the flat route because you lever, leverage it with the outside linebackers, right? Not very good for the third level of the defense with the post route because the corners, got, the corners are decent. The back has to play inside on top of everything. They got to play inside and on top. So guess what? Any route other than the post, they're going to – be out leveraged on the comeback they're not going to make it the post corner they're not going to make it you can teach them to baseball turn roll over etc cetera, etc cetera. but the bottom line is at the end of the down they can catch it and throw it you ain't going to make it you're going to tackle right on the other hand let's say you're playing cover three and you're getting a bunch of proof passing game you can make three levels of defense if you're playing man free you can find ways to make three levels of defense and then it's about how do you leverage the routes on the perimeter if you're playing cover two you can find ways to make three levels of defense so the bottom line is you got to be leveraged the slider, and that has a lot to do with your eye control, your single gap space team, your fall fit team, et cetera. And 
How do you make three levels of defense when the offense does? In principle, that's what you have to do, period. You got to do it. Totally agree. I think it depends on also, you know, Dante touched on it, the coverage structure. Uh, I think certain coverages lend themselves to defending that stuff better. Uh, I think if you're a three deep team and you're spot dropping and doing that sort of thing, um, you're going to have some problems um, because it's harder to make that third level of defense, which is why if you watch or read about some of these defenses, they'll have the free safety, like in, in two back formations or even two by two formations. They'll have the deep safety come down and take the crosser and then send the corner to the opposite side and do yep. a bunch of crazy stuff. Um, I think one of the things, I think it depends on the structure of your front as well. I've seen a lot of odd fronts. What they've done is even if you're bringing edge pressure or you're, you're rushing the Jack or the outside backer off the edges, let him take the slider yep, and then let the, the insert, especially if you're hard fitting that guy in the C gap anyway, yep. let yep. him go set the Share edge. Him. Yep. You also have to understand the mechanisms of boot and what they're trying to do. The first thing you have to do, like coach said, is take away that slider. And for me, the slider, I think for anybody is that guy coming back across. Yep. That's going to be the first read. Usually that's one of the only place it depends, but some guys will read it deep to short. Some people read it short to deep, depending on what you're trying to do and also how they're trying to attack you. If they think they can get that guy in the flat wide open now, they'll try to get it to him fast. Right. I mean, and then let him Mm -hmm. make the play. Um, but the big thing that you're going to see, and it started with, uh, the Rams, I believe, I, I don't know this to be, uh, certain, but a couple years ago, and this is a whole nother conversation, but two by two, what they're doing is, is on these boot plays, if the back is not out fast and three deep, they're assigning the inside linebacker to the back. And then those overhangs are going to go run deep to their side and pick up those crosses yep. from the other side. Yep. And I saw that a couple of years ago with Staley. And now I'm starting to see it more and more in college football because, you know, you, like, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but they call it sight on the run. So it's like the three deep where they're reading the back. And if the back swings and it's traditional three deep, if the back blocks, the backer takes them. And then yep. the backside safety can poach the front side. They're basically doing that at a two by two now. Yeah. And they they're saying that versus certain teams, certain teams will try to throw the comeback to those outside receivers. Yep. But there are certain teams that quarterbacks cannot make that throw, will not make the throw, or the receiver's not very good. He, he's just he's just there to get you out and clear you out. Exactly. And I think you yep. can really tell. I don't know. You tell me I'm wrong, but I think you can really tell if they really think that guy's worth a damn if their boots have a comeback to that side or if they just have them run a post or just run straight. And cause yes. nobody's booting, stomping and then throwing a fade. That's not happening. Post, now, yeah, it's, po- uh, it's post corners. It's bench outs. It's comeback. Yeah. If you're, if you're watching a team and their first snap, they run boot, they're running like a go route. <laughs> the guy's worth a shit. Yeah. And then the, the other thing I would say, sorry to cut you off, but one thing oh, I learned a long time ago, coaching high school football from the guy who's my head coach, um, and a great coach in Preston Jones was what are they running out formationally? Most teams in high school, the number one thing they do is they run out of FIB. FIB means formation and boundaries. Some people call it FSL, right? So most teams, when they're in FSL, they're going to do it because they need all the 
face to the field, especially in high school football where the hashes really, really, really matter. And the NFL, the spacing's different, right? Because they're not in the boundary ever, right? But when you get a bunch of high school teams, a lot of times you'll either get condensed sense to the field or they'll be in an FIB formation to run boot. Well, when you do, you know, we talk about that 70 to 90%, et cetera, et cetera, you start to categorize that guys, they're running toss crack and they're running uh, FIB boot. Like that's what they're doing. They're faking it and running boot and they're running toss crack into the boundary every time they go FIB. Then you can create structures in your defense that have multiple layers of answers, right? Instead of like, I need to stop this one play. Um, you know, same thing, I would say, you get these teams that they don't ever get in condensed formations until they want to run boot, until they want to run flood pass, right? So they're getting those condensed formations. Um, now we know they're trying to expand the defense and get the quarterback on the perimeter. The last thing I would say when it comes to boot pass, right, especially if you're a big man-to-man or man-match defense, and this is something I've found over the years, is you got to find a way to account for the quarterback. There are a lot of different ways. Even in split safety man-match defense, there are a lot of different ways to account for the QB, right? But a lot of times you get everybody covered and you can't cover the quarterback. So you have to find ways if you're playing man-match and not playing zone or zone-match defense to be able to handle and leverage the QB. That doesn't mean rush the QB. They aren't the same. You don't, especially in high school ball, there's this tendency to think that you have to go rush him, which you can 100%. But you can leverage the QB and make him throw the ball or run to less space. And so how you do that is up to you. There are multiple ways to get it done. But whether you're playing one high or two high defense, you've got to be able to account for it, especially in threat areas. What I mean by threat areas, right? Four-minute situation, end of – sorry, four-minute situation, Red zone, goal line, two-point play, all those things, right? you got to be able to leverage the quarterback. And so you've got to find ways to add him to your account system, whatever you're trying to accomplish. In zone, zone match defense, it's different because I can leverage the quarterback with depth in my zone, right? But in man or man match defense, you have to account for him, especially in high school bowl where, guys, part of the reason you run boots or naked is so the quarterback can run the football. It's so the quarterback can get on the perimeter. That's why they run it. In the NFL, it's different. Peyton Manning ran more boots than anybody in the NFL. You know why? Because he knew he could still leverage the pocket and keep his depth in the pocket and throw the football down the field. That's not why the high school quarterback's doing it. He has two things, and he's going. He's leaving. So got to be able to leverage the quarterback in some way, shape, or form. Lots of ways to do it, but you got to be able to do it. Yeah, and you also have to prioritize what you're defending. Um, if I'm yeah. at the NFL level or at the high college level or even at the lower college levels, I'm surfing my end. I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting and I'm ready to play out to that boot. And it also depends how fast the guy is. In high school, we saw our ends. Listen, we're going to secondary contain the boot with the, the front side linebacker. So yep. against like two backs, we would do is because the backer to the tight end by the time he realized it was boot, the crosser was past him. So if you picture like the old, you know, four, two, just look, the mic would end up rolling to the weak side and picking it up, picking the quarterback up and the will would get under the crosser. Cause by the time the mic realized, Oh my God, it's boot that tight ends by him. Now, if they had Michael Vick, we would take our chances and let the robber safety or quarter safety nail down on the over route and 
to, you know, let the corner play the post and hold on. And, but we didn't want that quarterback running for 40 on the boot. So it, it also depends because, you know, we, we brought a lot of edge pressure too. So if we wanted to take yeah. care of that, we would just bring a guy. If we knew we were getting, it boot, only took one. Yeah. It only takes one. Also a, a fun little um, boot call. If you know, boots coming. So there's a team I'm going to keep it because I still help out and I don't want to, I don't want to expose it, but they're uh, repeaters. So if you it's first and 10 and they get a penalty and they run a play, they're going to run the same damn play. And we, we, uh, they were a team where we wouldn't normally do this, but we saw they were going to run boot. And so because of their run game and other things we do, this would not have been much of a sound call otherwise. So we, we took the end and widened him out and ran him up the field and yep. uh, brought the, the weak safety underneath. I mean, what on a, we call a lion path and forced a fumble. That was a huge break in a game. So just a little something. If you know it's coming, if they got a huge tell, like they run on first down and you stuff and boots coming second down. Fly the end up field, bring the weak safety underneath or a linebacker underneath, pull them up and have them. Nobody will take him, I promise. Anyway, I could talk about that subject for a long time. So let's move on. Here's a good one right in my wheelhouse, but you're going first. Ben Denecki, QB. I love this QB and D line coach. I love some of the, I love, I love high school football. Some of the combinations are fantastic. I was, uh, I, one time I was defensive coordinator and quarterbacks. Figure that one out. There you go. <laughs> uh, he's at Coach Denecki on Twitter. I'm really bad at doing this, uh, doing the Twitter thing. Um, Dan Myers, who asked the last questions, at Dan Myers, 38 Myers, M-E-Y-E-R-S. And Mike Martin is M-S Martin 0208. Coach Denecki is from Régie Jesuit. I don't know. I read that French from Aurora, Colorado. Um, I guess maybe it's that French in me. Great question. How do you adjust change your defense when you are clearly outsized on the line? Do you like slants, stunts, blitzes, all of them, none of them, some of them? What do you got? Yeah. Uh, first thing I'm going to do, right, is I'm going to start moving from odd to even space, right? So if I'm an even space team, I'm going to find movements that I like that are in the odd space. An example for me would be uh, I might run a, what some people call a pop or echo game right, um, and get into odd space. I might slant the defensive line uh, on a half or slant, uh, a full-line slant, like a tank stunt, um, and get into odd front spacing, right? I do that so that um, I don't allow an offensive line to properly ID me, right? Because most of the time, offensive linemen are just determining is it odd or even, right, to determine what our combinations are. So if I can start in even spacing and then move to odd front spacing, um, I give myself a chance. The second thing I do, okay, second thing I do is, you know, you hear the mantra of, you know, we both, Rex Ryan has said this, you know, there are plenty of guys who say it, is like, we both need to not get reached and not allow the jump through. So you can't get, allow the scoop block, but you can't get reached. Well, you know, that's all fine and dandy, except for the fact that it becomes really challenging when, like, you're just trying to get your guy to strike the right human being, right? And so you put him really loose and he can't handle the, he can't handle the, the scoop. You can't hang on to the guy and allow the jump through. Um, but if you put him too tight, you, you know, 
let them get reached. Well, my answer to that is choose one or another, right? So give this when you want to play traditional even the line play, right? Then what you want to do, in my opinion, is you want to either make him heavier or loose, right? And basically tell him, look, when we get vertical knockoff, if you get reached and you're heavy, that's okay. Go to reach from defeated. If you're loose, you can't get reached, but your hat's in the crack, your hat's in the gap. You know what I mean? And so now it's like, okay, if the tip of tag goes away, replace it. And play that the same way every single time instead of trying to play all sets of those blocks. That helps the player with limiting what he has to think about, right? Especially an undersized player, that, in my opinion, helps that kid out. Um, last thing I would say is, you know, I talked about some of the stunts. Um, stems are really, really helpful, right? Stemming from odd to even, uh, stemming from um, a head-up structure to a shaded structure, right? Stems are really, really helpful, in my opinion, because what they do is they allow the defensive linemen to move to their uh, post-snap alignment and still be able to play the proper eye control, and they make the offensive linemen be able to change, have to change how they block it, right? Um, so you can get in a lot of different structures, without having to get a lot of different structures by doing things just like adding those stems and movements. You know, the last thing I would say is, you know, I'm really big on this concept of making first-level defenders into second-level defenders when I blitz second-level players. So fit-and-fold concepts, uh, what we call TOM concepts, right, TT interior run stunts, where first-level defenders, right, are now becoming second-level players because I'm taking a second-level player like a linebacker and plugging in as a first-level defender. You know, to me, those things really help making different levels to the defense and allow those defensive linemen to kind of make more plays without having uh, to just knock people back vertically all the time. Um, and so that's, those are some of the answers I, I have. You know, in terms of specific movements, I'm a big Tom game guy, uh, TT stunt guy, big pop stunt guy, big, big pirate guy, right? I'm going to find ways to cross the center line in different methods. I'm going to find a way to go from odd to even space or even to odd space. So we made a living off of this. A lot of the times when I was at Sarah, we were undersized and sometimes we weren't, and we still did it anyway, just because it was habit. But I believe in getting into even fronts and slanting out of them. Um, I think when teams play odd fronts, they have the mechanisms built in to handle the slanting. I think with mm -hmm. even fronts, Especially with high school style offenses, you hear four down equals touchdown. We got the angles we want. Well, use it against them. Use what they know and what they think they have against them. Yep. Yep. And one thing that is completely underrated that not a lot of people talk about, and this was this is straight from Gary Patterson's lips to God's ears. Um, lining up in an overfront, getting in a G and a three, and just slanting that G to a shade and that three to a four I. Yep. You know, if you're seeing a gap scheme team and you want to get a cross face on the back and poles, get them moving, you know? Yeah. Now, if they're yeah. bigger and slower, that's different. <laughs> if they're not just not good, then get in the gap and tackle the offense and hope they don't call it. But if you're yeah. undersized, and I'm going to say, when you say clearly undersized, I, I hope they're quicker because if they're off, if they're slower too, I don't know, Dante, do you have any? Do, do you have any? Small uh, and slow. <laughs> 
Do you have an answer don't, for that? Don't have as many D linemen. I don't know. I think if I had an answer to that, I would be a billionaire. Um, exactly. We have... You know what? I had another coach. Who's, again, another another mentor of mine, high school coach. He said, "We may be small, but at least we're slow." One of my yeah. favorite quotes of all time. Yeah, right I love there. that. Yeah. So I'm gonna guess when you say undersized, you're quicker. So slanting. You know, and especially if you're playing against these gap down backer teams where they're going to do that, um, trying to get in the crack and play laterally. Um, now you have to fit your your second level behind to match that sort of uh, philosophy, yeah. and you need to have backers that can fit, especially if you're slanting from like over to under. Your backers need to be able to understand that they need to play on the front side, and if you're slanting to the tight end, then they got to be able to sit behind stuff. So there's a lot of coaching that goes into that. But stemming, just what Dante said, create a moving target. Um, One thing I'll say is that especially teams that use sled progressions, especially early in the year, they're hitting stationary targets all year long yep. and they're expecting even if that target strikes back to strike in the same spot that they line up in use it against them and and try to use their rules you know we used to move in stem when it was not cool people used to make fun of us because we would go we were uh bare to over and back and forth and you know it if they have rules, try to break their rules. If they count, try to break their count. You know, we saw we still saw teams that um, they would count, especially like split beer teams, option teams. They're counting anything that creates hesitation, whether it's movement, pre, post snap. Um, one of my favorite things to do, especially against double teams, and I know this is not popular, but we did we did this and we're very successful with it at the high school level. Line up your nose in the gap and drive right between two blockers because they can't run a post and drive on you. If you split right between them, they collapse the, the double team collapses on itself. So we did the old Rex Ryan fall flat on your face. Don't try to sit on a stool. I, and again, I know this is most, you wouldn't normally teach this. And if I went and taught this in college, you'd be fired, but you're not in college. And a lot of you guys out there, we gear, I know I'm the guiltiest of this. You know, I'm talking about the Rams and the Bamas and most of my listeners are guys that coach high school football where their players go both ways and they are undersized guys. Yeah. And they got to win and self-promotion time. But I did a, a thing for a pre blitz and I don't even know where just type in Chris Vassar, Patrick Walsh. We did a whole thing on training your linemen for both sides of the ball. We also talked about this sort of thing and, and how to, you know, put your nose in the gap, get in, get in an even structure, put your nose in the gap, go right in between. And if they block you fall flat on your face, they can't go the next level. Keep the linebackers clean and let them run around. I mean, would Pete Jenkins, you know, th- yell at me if I, if he saw me teach that and tell me I'm insane, probably, but like, you also got to win. And if you don't have those guys to do those things, you got to come up with some different things. A pride, pride gaps open, you know? A lot of those cross dogs that you're seeing now line up in a G and, you know, line up in double G's and slant out and run a cross dog. Get, just get movement. So, um, yeah. And, and way down the line, one of the things we used to do is for teams that don't run a lot of opposite side plays, we would fold the end off. So like if we were away from the back and they weren't running stretch or power read, or they were running like zones and stuff is we would fold that guy back to trying to gain an extra hat. 
we mm-hmm. would slant with the back, force it to cut back, and then have the end come around to be an extra half a man. So those are just some some of the quick ideas I could think of off the top of my head. Yep. I'm excited to introduce Coach Vast Defense, a comprehensive out-of-the-box defensive system with everything you need to coordinate a top-tier defense coming in early 2025. The system is a one-stop shop and comes with a complete, robust defensive scheme with tools to get into any structure, including even, odd, mint tight, bare, stack, three high, and more. It comes with an NFL-level playbook with run fits and route matches, narrated install videos with a schedule for implementation, and a library of answers for every offense you will see, including the spread 11 personnel offense du jour, the air raid, the Bryles offense, option schemes including the flex bone, the wing tee, three back, and much more. It also comes with a drill and game film library, live in-season game planning sessions, templates to help you organize practice, opponent breakdown, and tools to make you a better play caller. Whether you're new to coordinating or a grizzled vet looking for new ideas, this system will have something for everyone. If you want to see all the details of the system, visit coachfastdefense.com and make sure to sign up for the mailing list to get updates and invitations to webinars to have your say in the system's creation so all of your coaching needs are met. Again, go to coachfastdefense.com, check out the details, and sign up for the mailing list. This past season, coaches across the country used CoachPad to be more efficient with their scout cards for prep on the weekends and on the practice field with their scout team. Whether you're using a computer program to create your scout cards or drawing them by hand, the CoachPad is for you. Some of the features coaches enjoyed the most this past season was never printing paper or stuffing a binder, the scout team being able to see their cards clearly, even in the bright sun, and using the CoachPad on game day to sync diagrams from the press box to the sideline. This offseason, get yours at thecoachpad.com and get your program ready for next season again that is thecoachpad.com all right let's move on here's another great question now this person asked that we don't use their name because they think that the opponent listens and they are so confident that they're what we tell them is great and they're just going to do it that they don't want them to know so mm-hmm. i will respect that but um the question is i'm wondering what the best ways to defend outside run plays Versus 10 personnel, tight bunch trips, and a split out single receiver, and the plays they're getting are outside zone, QB lead sweep to the bunch, and pistol toss sweep, including the play side guard, so truck toss. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, so the first thing is you got to figure out structurally in your defense what type of uh, system you're in, right? Because it becomes, it's a really, in my opinion, a two-fold process. It's how do you handle the relationship between number one and number two, and how do you handle the outside part of number one? So what do I mean by that? That relationship between number one and number two, a lot of times is called the crease, right? The crease area. So it's that area where if you were a traditional, like, if you were playing uh, Ripley's, you're playing cover one or something like that, right? You might put a guy in that crease. Well, what that does is that, makes it so an offense right either has to widen you and run inside it's the whole like literally lombardi sweep right or they have to crack you with the number one to try to get to the perimeter right and bring guys from inside to outside well the second method if you do it that way that means your second and third level defenders have to overlap in the defense so what do i mean by that i mean that you need to create a bubble in the defense by either getting vertical with that crease player, whether you're blitzing him, right, or by how you play his technique. Let's say he's a flat defender, 
right? And then you have to be able to play some form of crack or play support with a, a guy who might have a vertical threat in his area, whether it's a cover three corner or uh, a co- playing cover one or playing quarters, right? And then you have to get guys from inside of the ball, outside of the ball, right? So you got to get pursuit from inside out. That can be a challenge leverage-wise against all those perimeter runs. The second option to do, right, is to put that guy outside of the number one receiver, right? So if you put him outside of the number one instead of in the crease, what you've done is you've helped yourself in terms of boxing the ball back because the corner no longer has to be a primary run fitter and a primary vertical player. He's a primary vertical threat, right? But the ball's getting boxed back into a cylinder between your force defender, whoever that is, a lot of times three, four teams do this, and this happens a lot in the NFL, right? And the corner with guys running the alley now, right? So now it's, can I handle that alley, right, from inside out? And a lot of times that alley can get squeezed. The final uh, option is, okay, you put a guy um, outside of him, is how do you decide to put the second most inside man along either on or off the line of scrimmage in relation to number two and number three, right? So, for example, they're a big truck toss team. It doesn't sound like they're bringing that, that Y, that guy who's the number three back across the formation very often. They're not running counter and split zone and ghost and stuff like that, right? So from a leverage and numbers perspective, you could put an outside linebacker slash safety body outside the number one to play that type of force mechanic. And you could put, for example, your defensive end outside of the tight end, tight, tight, uh, the tight receiver, et cetera, et cetera. So now instead of it being where they're circling the defense, you're now able to stretch that formation out and really turn that truck toss where they're trying to circle the tackle that type of buck sweep style play into a really crappy outside zone, right? Where the ball gets stretched out, you're closer to the, your, your alley support is all closer to the football. The issue becomes, right, is good, like good, good football teams are good, so they know, understand leverage-wise, they're going to start running things like, for example, a duo, right? Where they're going to run power, right? Because they're going to find out that the crease is no longer on the perimeter, they're going to get a seal outside, they're going to get a seal inside, and they're going to run the ball in that C-gap, D-gap alley. And so you have to be able to determine leverage-wise how you're going to handle that problem. Um, you know, that's a really big thing. I know when I was at Berkeley, like Washington, you know, and uh, teams like that who played a lot of depth and vision, very NFL-oriented, they would play guys in wide knots and they would play outside linebackers or, or DBs outside of the number one as flat defenders, right? Much more man-match-oriented teams are going to play that guy in the crease because they know they got to be able to take the number two, right? They know whether they're playing man-free, whether they're playing some form of man-match quarters or split safety, they got to take that dude, and the corner has to be able to crack or place off of his coverage. Well, obviously the issue is it's the alley support running from inside out, right, whether or not you get circled in the defense. So those are mechanics and variables you have to ask yourself in relation to what you're getting, right? If you're playing a bunch of zone defense or zone match, right, particularly if you're like an odd space defense, 
running that mechanic where the outside linebacker is outside of the number one, right, isn't necessarily a bad idea. And then you can make them run the alley and you're closer to the football with your support, right? However, you have to be aware that they're probably going to start running the ball in the C-gap, right? And they're probably going to start running the ball inside and probably, if they're really smart, running the ball the other direction and pulling those players to the other side of the football because you don't have the numbers, right? That's a very big NFL problem, matching those numbers, right? That and then relation into your personnel, right, becomes the question. For example, let's say I know I got dominant interior D linemen. So go ahead, run the ball inside, run inside zone, run power, run that stuff, do it. All we need to do is box the ball back into the C gap, uh, B gap, A gap area, and we think we can beat you, right? On the other hand, if let's say you're with small, quick, offensive, uh, defensive players, you probably don't want to do that, right? You probably want to get the ball on the perimeter. For example, the the old Pirate Chicago Bears, right? The Pirate Chicago Bears team, it was all about what? Getting the ball to the perimeter, slamming the C-gap, closing the door, and it was chase, still, overlap. Chase, still, overlap. Chase, still, overlap. We're going to get the ball to the perimeter, Monty Kiffin style, and then we're going to chase it inside out. So those are some of the, the, the conversations you have to have about your personnel. Are you going to make the ball run in the alley, or are you going to make the ball kick to the perimeter and chase it from inside out, right? Pressure-wise, you can do the same variables with different types of pressure. If I pressure away from the bunch, then I'm going to box the ball to the side of the bunch and try to chase it down, right? I'm going to slant everybody to the bunch, bring a corner or safety or someone away from the bunch. I'm going to try to chase it down, right? A lot of teams will run boundary creepers, boundary cover three creepers that way, right? On the other hand, if you want to spill the football. You want to bring a pressure that blitzes the fit. What do I mean by that? I want to bring an inside linebacker in the C-gap, right? I want to bring that guy who's, who might start outside the number one. I want to blitz him to the, you know, uh, in between the one and number two, right? We call cracking the pair, right? So I want to change those angles on the offense, right? And if you can do a really good job with, for example, you're, you're bringing a backer, you know, you're playing that backer outside, uh, the number one most of the time. And then you bring a pressure, you bring a simulator, you play, you know, bring the Sam, you know, into the crease on a play. Now you've just changed their scheme. And you haven't had to do a lot for you guys, right? You know, in, in contrast, the same goes in reverse. If you're normally making them spill the football and all of a sudden I run a boundary pressure, right, or I run a, a boundary corner cap, boundary safety pressure, et cetera, et cetera, well, now I have the ability to stretch the ball out. So those are the, que- the type of answers that I have. Here's my, my thing for you guys. If they're trying to pin and pull you, right, whether it's trying to pin and pull because they're trying to circle the defense, right, or they're trying to pin and pull to gain leverage so they can run the alley, right, I would stretch the football. I've done that for, to a multitude of wing T style football teams at the high school level. They're a pin-pull truck toss team, right? It all plays out the same thing. It's exactly like a Y-wing, a y right? And so they're trying to pin it, and they're trying to pull guys from inside out and gain those leverages. Well, I either, one, slanted the defensive line, or two, overrated, rotated the secondary and, and played some type of back or force principle to box the ball back and made it into a really, really, really bad outside zone play because they're, they're outside, they're, they're offensive linemen are trying to gain leverage that they think that they're going to gain to circle the defense, and they're just not. 
right? Or I've also done the opposite where I've played teams that want to stretch it because they want to get it vertical. So we want to bounce the ball. And that's when I bring pressure, you know, into the C gap area, into uh, those areas to make the ball bounce away from where all their help is, which is those teams who want to make it really look like an outside zone play and cut it up into C gap, cut it back. Those would be some of my answers. Now, those answers are really good. I'm going to be very country about this. You said one thing that basically decided the whole thing for me, which was it's 10 personnel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my baddest, scariest guy on defense, and I'm going to get in an overfront, and I'm going to saunter his ass out, and he's going to line up right inside the number two receiver on the ball. And on the snap of the ball, he is going to take him and legally walk his ass backwards as deep as you can be. And I would slide my backers over so I have an A-gap backer and a D-gap backer. And I would tell the D-gap backer, you play between that tackle and the and the first guy in the bunch. The D-end would have the, the gap in between the bunches, or in between the bunches, in between two and three in the bunch. We would have a safety lined up outside the bunch, and then the corner and the safety can play the gap between number one and number two on the bunch. You didn't mention that anything comes back, and if I really wanted to go insane with it, I would also slant the other three linemen to the play, and I would just try I would to get the three technique if they try and uh, pin, pin and pull. I believe it says you pull the guard so you can cross face and get into the... Because if you don't do that, you're in the you got you're in the A gap now, so that can get you back into the new B gap, which was the original C gap. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out, but yeah. And I I would try and make that. You want to line up in this? I, I make the receivers block. I don't care who it would be. I mean, I, you could you could do it where, let's say you're your Mike linebackers, your biggest, strongest, baddest dude. Then walk your D yeah. end off the ball and have him go on. I mean, it's it's high school ball. Let's have some fun. That's oh, my yeah, answer. That too. Yep. But, uh, the the bottom line is, and this is high, that's high school ball, college ball, pro ball. Big people beat up little people. Yeah. And Big if they're gonna, beat up. and if they're gonna have their offense be predicated on a a receiver mm-hmm. blocking me at the point of attack with another receiver next to him, yeah, that's not that's not happening. That's not gonna happen. But that would be the number one, number two, and number three thing I would say on that. Make them run the ball weak. Um, all right, good stuff. I got two more questions for you, and then I'm going to let you roll. I know you've got uh, – you're still – I guess, are you still considered you're in camp? Yes. Okay, so you're still in camp, so you're, you're being generous with your time. Um, Here's an interesting open-ended question that I'm going to say no more than five because I, I can think of 100. No more than five Um. To this answer, because we could go all night. But this question was actually written to us in the offseason by Caleb Muller, who's not a coach, but he's a super fan. And he wanted to know his his Twitter handles at Quincy William underscore. And his question is, what are the formations you would never or hardly ever call certain coverages against and why? Okay. Um, I never call two man versus wildcat. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, there's one. You know, for me, I have a really hard time with, um, for example, I don't, I, I know guys who, for example, won't run two man versus empty. 
right? I'm not one of those guys. I, I find plenty of ways to run two man receiving for him, the quarterback. Um, I find plenty of ways of, for my opinion, you know, um, I'll get in, they'll be in 22 personnel or whatever. And, you know, I will play Tampa too because how it's played, right? Um, in terms of certain scenarios where I wouldn't call a particular particular set of coverages, um, I w- would be more specific based on the area of the field. For example, I'm not going to call um, – me, personally, I'm not going to call traditional cover three uh, in the red – like the low red zone, right? I'm going to have a diff- different call to play that. Because for me, there's no middle field safety anymore. I'm playing spot drop defense when I can play more deny the ball defense. And if I want to play some form of spot drop defense, then I need to create horizontal width. So I might play something like Tampa 2, right? Uh, I have a really hard time with, for example, I don't like um, double A gap pressures uh, into certain formations. Like, I don't like double A gap pressures versus a bunch of football teams, like a bunch set. Don't like it. Why? Because they're getting ready to circle the, the, the offense or the defense, right? They have too many ways to circle the defense, and you make it more challenging on the structures of coverage. Doesn't mean it may not happen on accident, but if I can, if I can avoid it, I ain't going to run it, right? Um, I'm trying to think of other scenarios for me. Wildcat, right? Wildcat, I'm usually going to play – I know some guys who really, really like to man-zero pressure Wildcat. If I'm going to play cover zero to Wildcat, I'm not going to man-pressure it. I'll play – I'll bring five – like, I might bring five down linemen, right? But I'm going to have something that accounts for the quarterback, right? Some form of three-way, two-on-two, et cetera, et cetera, right? If I'm going to pressure the court, like bring in all-out pressure in Wildcat, I'm probably going to play zone so I can have more eyes on the on the QB in Wildcat, things of that nature. Those are some of my answers. I like it. So I don't have many hard and fast maxims like we'll never do this. I have yeah. So, okay. So one is I will never play cover two in the red zone. I'm not talking about red two. I'm talking about cover two, like straight yeah. cover two, unless it's like drop eight and it's bastardized. But I'm talking about rush four, play cover two because you don't have any overlap yeah. on the fades, and that's what high school football is. Chuck the fade up. Um, I will never play quarters versus empty. A lot of it has to do with empty. So like, uh, if they have five verticals, we're gonna have a way to play five verticals. I I'm not yeah. big on hey, we're gonna have one guy play two guys vertical unless it's FIB yep. high school hashes. Yep. And even then, I get freaked out. Um, yep. I'm probably never gonna play zone drop. Old school chalkboard three ever because I I just I can't. That's not the philosophy. I've never I've never coached in the scheme and. It's just not what I believe in, but that's not a, that's a, that's a preference thing. More of like a, a scheme, like, uh, oh, you're going to get killed. Um, this is kind of different, but I'll say I would have different empty checks for if it's empty versus FIB empty. Mm-hmm. Um, this is such a hard question. I mean, I'm just trying to think of random stuff. I don't know if the, I've stopped counting this at four. Um, for me, it's about being unsound, like 
uh, strategically, like leverage wise, right? So like, yeah. for example, like I'm, I'm not a big proponent of playing zone match quarters and have, you know, versus a Wawa wing, I'm playing mid four and I'm playing it as um, seven man run fit spacing and the Jack's outside of the wing, uh, out of the, like the H, right? And the corner's playing off and the star's out of the run fit. Out to the linebacker or he's out of the run fit. Like, that's a recipe for disaster for me. Um, you know, things of that nature concern me. Like, those things bother me. Um, double rotation for me is something that, unless I don't like to do it. Um, main reason I like to do it is I don't like uh, the idea and the proposition of my safety having to probably fit in uh, a gap as he pushes and presses horizontally because of the way in which my fit system works, right? Things like that. But there are exceptions I've found to every rule because if the offense can only run to their left and I say I never, ever, ever put everyone to the left, well, then I just lose. So that's my answer. I got another one. This may be controversial. Flame me. I want you to. I want you to pretend I'm a guy you don't like. I want you to. Don't give me the. Oh, you have a podcast host. So I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to be nice and not be. But here's mine. I don't like man free versus i i pro because I think there's so many easier ways to teach things than the four on three funnel stuff or the three on two funnel with the safety or whatever on the tight end. I don't like it. Because of that, go yeah, ahead, um, yell at me. Tell me I'm. Tell me I. Tell no, me I'm wrong. No, so what I would say is this: right? We've never had I a pod. We've never had a pod fight. I want to get somebody on here that's like, you know what? You're full of shit, man. I, I just I can't I, wait for I, it. <laughs> I would say this, right? I disagree with you. I disagree with you for a few reasons. One, uh, to me, um, in the way in which I teach, I control for man match defense. Right? It's the starting point. So. Um, in terms of eye control and the ability to play deny the ball defense and not have to automatically go into like split field quarters, uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, and teach kind of the, the, the fit principles that we do to create things to be same as, it's the starting place. Two, I got to be able to play deny the ball single high defense at some point. If every single time that deny the ball, the, that they get in pro, I can only play uh, too high defense or zone defense, I feel like I have an issue, right? Like at some point in time, I'm going to go deny the football. Um, I think it gets even more variable or more important with the fact that like these teams are really good now. So every 12 personnel RPO set is that same set. It's the same thing. Uh, Under not, center, not, I pro RP. Yeah. I mean, I guess the Shanahan stuff, but but not even, but not even like in terms. Of, oh, think of the NFL. They don't. They dual call heart stuff, hot stuff all the time. So if all you can do is play split safety quarters or zone zone match quarters or zone match cover three, they're going to throw the ball all over your face. What about Rip Liz? This, here's the reason I don't like it. So so, so here, here's why. The 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 amount of teaching, unless you're a cover one team. Now this is a different story. <laughs> I'm talking about like, hey, this is going to be our third or fourth call. Yeah, so then I'm not going to. I'm probably going to play it as a. I'm probably going to play it as a one team mechanism. Yeah, I'm not going to play it as. Yeah, I'll play because it as I don't want to teach the fun all the like. Okay, yeah. the backside safeties, the rat. If you get flood, con, yeah. like like I that's yeah. just then that's I'm going to play as one care. I'm going to play one care one lock. 
But oh. if everything I do is that type of fit pro, if everything I do base starts from there, then I'm going to teach that first. Okay. Okay. So I should, I should have, uh, uh specified there so that's my fault okay yeah no if you're an undercover one team and they i also think that's different um because you have three guys off the ball that are in the box you know tackle Mm -hmm. to tackle there's there's something about you know a 10 technique linebacker having to take a fullback out to the flat and and then or having to match a tight end you know if you get like sale um that I don't like playing man when two and three are close. Obviously, I mean, who does you banjo it? But the the routes I saw when we saw I formation stuff, it it was always like I hate this. Like I just thought I don't mm-hmm. want to be so to the point where we would play zero, or we would do like man free pressures if it was twins. But if it was like I pro, we would blitz off the split end side and then play robber, which is a single high match quarters defense to the to the to one side and man to the other but we didn't have to worry about the mic trying to take the guy out to the flat or match a tight end vertical with a down safety i I just that stuff's such a pain in the ass you know some of the things for me that make it uh depending on how i control oriented you are right and how you teach your fit pro it becomes a really good teaching tool. And the fact that when you don't, you now have to teach more people in the fit. What do I mean by that? For example, when you have, when, when you decide to play some type of zone, whether it's zone match quarters or not, right? And the fullback travels from inside the core to outside the core, right? You have to have a guy who is prior to is a lever player become a spill player. Right. And so you've added someone in the fit pro that now has to do multiple things in terms of eye control. And it's just very different. So there are two different methodologies. There are guys who are like, well, either one, we're going to add the free safety. It doesn't matter. Two, they're going to slam the gap with a, with that backer, right. Or that first or that inside backer to close the gate. And so now it plays the same, right. Or, or they just say, no, it's not a big deal. Or they lock it. That's why teams play one key and one lock. There are plenty of guys that do it. For for guys who are always playing a bunch of funnels, it's a good way to start that teaching. That's why. Totally agree there. That that we can agree on. That yeah. that's one hundred percent. If you're a single if you're a single back fit team, whether it's because you're running through all the time or it's because you're a two gap fit team, it's terrible to do. I wouldn't do it. But if you're like an eight-man spacing run fit football team, you know, playing off the second back all the time, that's exactly what I would do. All right, last question, and um, I don't really have a great answer to this. I haven't really, I've never really thought of it. Um, and it's your boss that's asking the question, so I'm putting it on you, and I'm going to run away and hide. No, I'll, I'll see if I can think of something off the top of my head <laughs> here. Uh, this one was submitted, uh, I guess, early this morning. Uh, this was submitted by Nick Davis, head coach at Ottawa University, a.k.a. Dante's boss. You know him and love him as Spread Defense. His business government name Twitter account is at Coach Nick Davis. Uh, his question is, what do you like versus 12 personnel? And he wrote 
three by two NW, like all one. I know three by two is not a yeah. word, but I don't really know what he means by that. Nub yeah, wing. I, is that, I don't yeah. know what that means. Yeah. Empty. Yeah. GT QB RPO. Oh, so he's talking about tight end wing to one side trips yes. to the other. Yes. Oh, yes. actually I do have an answer to this. Cause we saw a shotgun wing, an empty wing T team. Yep. Well, the hilarious thing is we used to, I used to get this at Paris. So jokes on him. I know what the answer is. Wow. So okay. You go first. I'm going to concoct something. Him. Jokes on him. Right. So first of all, right. It, if I'm getting gap scheme stuff, like inside the box, the first thing is I'm running the, the re-tom torch stunt, right? I got to cross the center line. I can't use a defensive back. I can't use the second level or third level defender. So the first thing we do if I'm playing traditional format, form four down front defense is I'm going to torch it, right? So I'm going to read the center. If they want to pull someone, we use him. We pick the center. We cross the center line there, right? So if they want to run some type of gap scheme, that's what I'm going to do from a front-end perspective. If they want to run some form of perimeter pin and pull scheme, right? First thing we do is I'm going to literally slant the defensive line to the wah wah wing. Why? Because I want to stretch it exactly like I talked about before, right? So I want to stretch it out. I might start a guy in a six eye and slant him to a seven or a nine technique. I'm going to start in a three tech and he's going to slant to a four eye. And he would cross face on block back, uh, block back pole, right? And I'm going to start maybe in a G and I'm going to slant to a one. And if I got buck sweep, He's going to cross the center line as well, make it a really crappy sweep, right? Second thing I'm going to do, right? Second thing I'm going to do is it predicated upon whether or not I feel I can handle the RPO or not. If the assumption is I can't handle the RPO, right? If that is the assumption, I can't handle it and I got to play some type of, of split safety defense, the first thing I'm doing against the wild wild wing is I'm playing cover zero to the wild wild wing and I'm playing split safety away because now I've played it like single house space. I'm just playing split safety some form of split safety bracket, a mini, a special, et cetera. I'm playing some form of cover zero or hard support to the YY wing because the number one thing about playing a, a YY wing is there's no RPO threat. Now, if they're running a multiple RPO system where they're running RPOs to that side, it's cover zero. You have leverage on that, right? But the vertical threat gets the nod, and the RPO threat is less, uh, less enhanced because of the horizontal space of the YY wing nub because of the nub, right? So I'm going to play something where I'm going to end up playing it like single high rotational run support to the YY wing. So go ahead, try to throw the RPO. You can't do it. If you're running some form of interior gap scheme on run torch, if you're running some form of not interior gap scheme, I'm going to slant everybody to that side, right? Stretch the ball out. And then the final question is, is do I box the ball or make it kick? Well, if I'm trying to get the ball back to the defensive linemen who are moving because I have to add gaps back, I need to make sure I box the ball in the perimeter. Why? Because all of my guys are coming from inside out. So I need to make sure I box the ball back, right? So I'm not going – we used to do this all the time to empty teams. It's the only way you could handle them, right? Because you, if you spilled the ball, you're spilling to no one. And so you box the ball back, everybody's moving to that side. So those would be my answers. And I play some type of split safety concept depending on the RPOs they want to run. I run mini or I run I – mean, I could play straight two-man. I could run stomp. I could run whatever I wanted. It doesn't matter, right? If I really wanted to screw them up, I'd bring – if I wanted to make the ball bounce, for example, like I was on high school hash and they want to run pin pull, stuff like that, i bring some form of corner cap, crack the pair, spill an overlap, and stretch it that way. But in my base ways of doing it, I'm going to run some form of re-tom inside to cross the center line versus gap, or I'm going to run – some type of full line slant towards that side. 
and I'm going to play basically zero, some form of zero hard support over there, box the ball back to my help, some form of man match quarters to the receiver side. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, so I actually found you stalled enough to uh, get me to find. So we did this in 2018. We played Bullard High School. They started running a version of Adam Mathiason. I hope I said that right, Adam. Um, his his uh, shotgun wing T stuff. And they ran this formation. Now, this isn't quite QB counter with RPOs, but they ran buck sweep with RPOs. And here's what we did. Now, this may be brutal, but this is what we did. So we lined up in an over front, but what we did was we played a shade nose and a four week. Okay. Mm -hmm. The end week had the B, would play the B gap. We didn't want a four eye because we didn't want them just to be able just to slam down on a single yeah, short wow. edge. Yeah. We slanted the three guys to the tight end wing, mm -hmm. to the tight end wing. So the nose would cross face. The tackle would slant from a three to a four eye. And the defensive end would slant from a six to a nine. Okay. The Mike, we lined up in a zero, and he just mirrored the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Read the triangle, mirror the quarterback, be ready for the cutback. Because we were basically taking away the A gap, the B gap, and the D gap to the side of the mm -hmm. tight end wing. We dropped the safety down near the box, and with the other safety, they had the tight end the wing. And so what was different with them, though, was that wing was a running back. So... They had more of a chance to 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 throw it. I mean, you had some serious speed. Mm -hmm. And then what we did to the trip side is we played what we called flip special. So we brought the corner over, mm -hmm. and the corner played what most people know as stubby or special. He was so the outside corner played press on one. The corner played outside on two. The deep safety to that side played stubby on three. So we're in split safety concept, and the backer apexed. And we said, go ahead and throw the RPOs. Throw, you can't throw bubble. We've got two guys outside. Um, now, if they ran a glance or whatever, we had a guy in the glance window. And then what would end up having to happen is we would try to cancel all the gaps to the front side. And if they ran QB counter or buck sweep weak, the will would have time. Mm-hmm to get there and he wouldn't have to like you'd have to pull it and run and then throw an rpo and at that point we're like all right if you can pull two guys run pretend like you're gonna run stop and throw a glance like you win like you you won you win the game like <laughs> because there's mm -hmm. not much else you can do so that was what we did um anyway that's my answer i don't know if it's any good versus that stuff but it's what we did and you guys can roast me and flame me and tell me how horrible it is <laughs> Anyway, Dante, thank you so much for, uh, for your time. But before you go, we need to make an announcement on something. Do you remember what we're talking about? I don't. Aren't you playing Kyle? Yes, I'm playing Benedicting in the Game of the Century. Game of the Century. Wow. On, on game of the Century on Monday, where I, the JV squads, what we call our gold squad, is matching up against the Ravens on Monday night up in Atchison. We're bringing the whole staff there. It's going to be a wild ride. Is it going to be streamed? Gonna, um, I don't think so right now. We're trying to get it streamed. We're trying to find a way to get it streamed currently, right? But if we can get it done, we're going to get it done. I should know by the, the end of this week. Here, I'm thinking, what if... Let's think about this. Let's put our heads together. 
What if you had somebody, whoever's filming the game, somehow get it up on YouTube and just do a YouTube live stream? Yeah, we're, we're going to figure it out. We're smart guys. We're going to get it done. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. This is this is the goal. So this is perfect. This is, I believe, what they call in the industry synergy or some bullshit. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I launched, uh, I'm launching a playback channel this week, which is basically, it's like coach's room but for TV games. So you, you, mm-hmm. you go to coachvastfootball.com slash playback. You sign up. It's free. You put in your TV information, whatever your your network is or your friends. I, I, I don't think I can legally say that. Uh, but so don't well, you know, forget that part. But you put in your information and then you watch along. So what I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do this. Stay tuned on Twitter. If we can get a, li- a reliable stream. We can do our best. And yep. we can pull a stream in. For through YouTube or some other mechanism, it's mm-hmm. got to be a, a free platform. Mm-hmm. I will commentate. I don't know if it's, it's not. I wouldn't say commentate on the game, but we'll we'll have a room open, and oh, we'll yeah. have Kyle It'll Kogan's be like one of those NFL. Oh, not the NFL, the national championship. Yeah, war rooms. That's yeah. exactly. Except I won't be able to rewind yet. That's coming, but. <laughs> But we'll do. I will do that on Monday. I will do that on Monday if you if you get it going. And I no, promise. We're work on it. Stay tuned on Twitter. We'll we'll have a verdict we there. Yes, we will. Maybe I'll call the Sickos Committee and we'll get them involved. <laughs> it'll be fantastic. <laughs> oh, it'll be great. We have Kyle Kogan's Benedictine College versus the Fighting Dante Bartiz of <laughs> Ottawa University JV yeah. team. So it's not yeah, even yeah, the teams that you do. No, you coach sir. the JV team. We we both are coaching in these JV JV games, yes sir. But do you coach these guys at practice? Yes, uh, sometimes. Oh, I can't! I cannot wait for you. Oh, it's gonna be baller. You got to get this streaming. Yeah, it's we gotta gonna figure be, this out. It's gonna be the we are we call ourselves the Gold Squad. We are the Gold Squad. It's gonna be baller. Don't know what the score is going to be, but it's going to be baller. I may just get in my car tomorrow and drive to Kansas and film it myself. (laughs) To Atchison, Kansas. To Atchison, Kansas. Oh, yeah. Tell tell Davis to get the otter costume ready for me. Oh, I was about to say, we're going to get that otter costume ready to roll. Someone's going to be in that. No, I don't want to show favoritism. I don't want to show favoritism. Uh, Someone else to get in the Raven costume. There you go. Oh my God! All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, again, and uh, stay tuned for. uh, We're gonna try to get that live stream going. Yeah, it'll be it'll be beautiful. All right, my man. Thank you. I'll talk to you. Thank you again to Dante Barti for coming on the show back to back. Always love having you on. Can't wait to watch you this season and especially watch your game Monday versus Kyle Kogan. That's right. Coachfastfootball.com slash playback. Now, anybody can watch this one because it's going to be live streamed online. But remember, if you want to join me throughout the year for the watch party, the coach's room, the coach's corner, I haven't figured it out what I want to name yet. You have a good name, throw it my way and I'll credit you for that. But please join me. It's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to jump in, watch some games, talk some ball, draw some things up, bring you guys up on stage, and interact just like we're in a sports bar. Everything else, linktree.com slash coachfast, including my two newest CoachTube courses, which I mentioned at the top of the show. 
the tight front bundle and the course that you need right now on game planning, practice planning, breaking down an opponent, and developing your call sheet. I know the season gets busy, the fundamentals fall by the wayside, but there's one thing you have to always keep in mind. Never forget, the quarterback can't see with tears in their eyes.